0: Hello once again Pompey fans and welcome to another edition of the Pompey Podcast I am your host as ever Barry Clements and we do have a special guest this week Uh, Portsmouth Chief Executive Mark Catlin will be joining us later on the podcast Uh, But first I just wanted to point you in the direction of our new Pompey Podcast YouTube channel Um, We're going to be posting more regular content on there such as news updates And all of our interviews from the podcast will be going on there as well Um, Just search Pompey Podcast on YouTube. Um, The first video will be updated today. And uh, as I say, we should have some more regular content on there for you over the coming weeks in the closed season and moving into next season. Um, But just want to keep the intro short this week so that we can get straight into our chat with Mark. Pompey fans, I'm joined now with CEO Mark Catlin. Mark, thank you so much for, for joining us. No problem whatsoever. Congratulations on a fantastic season. Happy with how it's gone? I am very happy, yeah. Obviously, teams with a little bit of disappointment
1: that we didn't make the playoffs in the end. But when you look at the season as a whole, both on and off the pitch,
0: we continue to progress. And that's something we'll be looking to do year on year. Yeah, certainly. And um, you, you've been at the club five years now. Um, are we where you thought we'd be when you first joined the club? were we ahead of ways that we'd be it was
1: difficult to say really because initially the first couple of years was just literally still about saving the club and and getting it off the life support machine so I think in football you can be a little bit foolhardy setting timescales on your um, where you want to be and your ambitions because then you're held as a hostage to fortune and What you don't want to do is put undue pressure on the staff and the players and the managers. So if you'd have said to me five years ago that day when we'd come out of administration that we'd have our own training ground, you know, we'd be owned by a a very wealthy, incredible individual. We'd be in League One, have him in Champions of League Two and we've just, just finished eighth. Yeah, I probably would have took that. Yeah, it's, it, it has been an incredible journey over the last <laughs> five years, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not just so much what's going on on the pitch it was about building the foundations for the future which I think we have done now
0: um, in, yeah, yeah it certainly seems that way um, you know every single year it seems that we've got something to be proud of off the pitch as well as on it and I think a lot of credit goes down to yourself and the, and the guys behind the scenes for that yeah
1: I've got an amazing group of staff here behind the scenes that have been with us in, really from the early days mm-hmm. and um, you know they've come on the journey with us and we're still on that journey and as I say for us on and off the pitch the aim year on year just has to has to be keep improving.
0: Mm, yeah, exactly. And um there's been another freeze on season tickets which is another thing that to be really, really positive about. Um on that basis should we expect an increase next year, would you say? Possibly. Um I think
1: the first year adjusting to life in League One. Mm. Um there was obviously price rises last year as we jumped into to a new division as a senior executive team and with our board of directors we discussed it and didn't feel that this year was a a year we should look to increase prices but as I said in a couple of recent interviews the the pressures the cost pressures continue to build in regards to the national minimum wage and and legal and statutory requirements of Of what's required in certain positions and roles at a football club which is obviously is more costly Mm. player wages continue to rise so everything's going up so You know, it was a bit of a a bold decision by the ball to to keep the prices they were. Um, But I think next season, yeah, we'll we'll probably have to seriously have a look at where where we can increase. But again, in a sensible
0: and sustainable way. Yeah, and that's understandable. And I think most fans would would agree that that's the right way of doing things. Um, Obviously, I put on Facebook that we were coming to have a chat and a couple of fans when it came to the ticket prices wondering if the hospitality packages would be the same price as they were last year. They didn't see that. Is that still going to be the case? Do we know at this stage? Anna, <laughs> hospitality packages. Yeah, co- prices are frozen for uh, renewals on hospitality. Okay. So anybody renewing will pay the same amount. Thank you very much. And again,
1: that's the discussion centered
0: around that is showing loyalty to people that have been loyal to us over the years. Of course, ago. yeah, which makes sense. No, that does make sense. Um, another big announcement over the last couple of weeks was obviously the deal with the university. Um, yeah. Pleased with all the aspects of that. I'm really, really pleased and proud that
1: you know we've managed to get. The University of Portsmouth on on the front of our um, shirt, as we said during the press conference, it's obviously you know commercially normally that would be at the forefront and and ninety percent of the times that that would be the deciding factor in what company you went with, but this transcended that really in regards of we are trying to develop a city wide approach to to what we're mm. doing and you know work with the Navy, work with the University, work closely with the council. Um, I've often said that. I see myself not just as a representative for the football club but a representative of the city yeah. and we all are when we're fans going away You know, when the staff go away when the players go away we're, we're not just representing the football club we're representing the city so I think this is a natural extension of that and and for me personally gives a, there's a lot of great initiatives within the deal in regards of getting into our most underprivileged areas of the city and trying to encourage people there that wouldn't naturally go to a, to a university to, to just say to them, look, where they might not listen to a dean who's been to Oxford or Cambridge yeah. as an example yet, um, they might listen to me because you know, I'm a football fan at heart and, and they love the players and whatever. So there might be a little bit more um, receptive to, to what players or myself or the manager might say so there's a lot of initiatives in there and hopefully we can start getting people from our city to go to the university not just
0: people that are coming from outside yeah which would be really good really really good did did youth development have anything to play in that do you think Um, not not football wise
1: no um, there's a lot of other things in the deal in regards of facilities and use, and use of each other's um, infrastructure so that's that's a great part of it but it wasn't really about youth development from a football sense; more about youth development as in people, yeah, um, and as a city, as you say. Yeah, I do think. I mean, listen, maybe I'm wrong here, but I think there is a perception that Portsmouth University is a little bit elitist now, to especially as I say, to some of the most underprivileged areas in our city. So we just
0: want to try and break them barriers down. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And and talking of youth development, obviously a few fans are concerned that we haven't got a youth development squad next year. Is that something that we can expect in? Coming years, well, we have, we've got a youth team mm. that takes you up to eighteen.
1: Yeah, and as you've seen this year, we've we've kept t- two lads on from the youth team. Mm. Historically, it's a minimum of two, you know, some, you know, and, and it can be up to four, five, six. So we're just continuing with that process. It's just the actual cost of running not a youth development team, but an under twenty yeah. three development team. So it's it's not it's a bit misleading to say it's youth because yeah, you can have people twenty three years old. I'll class them as grown men, yeah. Um, But so it's it's just when you look at the cost of doing it properly compared to the overall player budget, you'd rather your money. Because let's make no bones about it, our aim is to get into the championship. Now, when you're in the championship, and I'll just use round figures here. This is not Portsmouth Football Club. If you've got a twenty million pound player budget and you're spending a half a million pound on a development squad, I get that. If in League One you're spending £3.5 million, £4 million on a player budget and you're spending £500,000 on a development squad, it's a little bit out of the kilter. Yeah. There's an argument you'd probably rather your money in the first team to give you that push to get in the Championship that then enable you to set up a development squad. What we don't want to be doing is doing things half-hearted um, and because people don't realise the cost of a development squad. You need two dedicated pitches, so there's... Again, there's going to be a demand to go and find some more pitches. You need a dedicated coach. You need a dedicated assistant manager. Um, You need kit. You need another kit man, I would argue. Or the kit man would definitely argue. you need another (laughs) body. So there's another physio, another assistant physio, all the match day costs, all the travelling. So to enter a fully-fledged, what I would say, a a proper development squad as such, is an expensive day out. Now, we do what is in common with most League 1 teams where... We do have a development squad as as a such, but it's just not official. It trains with the first team. Yeah. We organise games. We enter the Premier League Cup. They're often used in the checker trade. People, so there's a lot of friendlies done behind closed doors. A lot of friendlies that are done where fans can come and see them. So there's all these different aspects. But to do a, and we pick and choose games when the manager requires them. So we have got a development squad of yeah. of, a, of a of a type, but it's not a fully. Fledged development squad. And I could see that only coming really in the championship. Yeah, that makes
0: sense. It's, it's a percentage of your budget. Then isn't it's, it's a huge percentage the, of your the budget. The pounds don't change, but the yeah. percentage does, and yeah. it does make a huge difference. And there's an argument to be made that training in and around the first team would help you develop more anyway because you're playing against.
1: Yeah, and Kenny's very inclusive anyway, so he often he, he doesn't take his start eleven away and forgets everyone else. You know, there's mm. there's there's cross pollination amongst the youth team. What you would call the fringe players, which are sort of the development squad that yeah. we've got or we'll have next year,
0: and and the first team, so it, it's going on naturally anyway. Mm. And you can see that with the with the players that are coming through, like Brandon and obviously Alex making his home debut, uh, yeah. over the weekend. So I mean, Ben Close has established yeah. himself this year. Jack Watmore, you know, Adam, May. Part. There's, Adam there's, May
1: has made I think thirty, however many, it's a double digit, you know, um, yeah. appearances this year. So. You can see it, and Brandon, obviously, you know, Brandon yeah, looked great, so there's quite a few that aren't yeah, are coming does go not. Yeah. The list Because does the gap not. at this level isn't so great as well. Yeah. So the, the gap between a... Because you, you could argue if someone's in a development squad at, say, 21-22 and are not breaking through to the first team in League One, are they going to be good enough for yeah. the Championship anyway? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. If you're in the Championship, the gap between the youth team... And a championship yeah. player is huge, so you need to fill that void, but at league one i 'm not so sure you have to can you can you see us with how um... by, by the way I'm just in an ideal world, you would have a development yeah, of course. That. but the stage in where we are and and everything else going on around the stadium and the and the investment that 's going across the whole business, you know, it's just another expense we don't need at this moment.
0: Yeah, there's more important things there's to more focus on important things, at the yeah. moment. Um, with Haven and Waterlooville getting promoted, can you see there being stronger ties maybe with the loan system to them, to the National I League? hope so, really hope so. I've had a few chats with Lee mm.
1: and we're shortly going to meet with, with Derek, you know, just just to have a chat there about things and I definitely hope so, it's on our doorstep, we've got an amazing relationship mm. with Haven and Waterlooville anyway. Um, so, hopefully, now they're in the National League, that gives us a chance to both benefit off of each other's league standing.
0: Yeah, because you mentioned two players yourself, Adam May and Ben Close, both in the National League last year. So, yeah. if we can utilise them, then. then, then Yeah, if they're going go to go to any club, you'd rather them
1: on your doorstep at having a Mortal oh, field, Yeah, so. and we, listen, we know Lee, we trust Lee as a manager. Mm. Lee knows the club inside out, he knows our players, so it is a natural fit. Makes sense. No, it makes well, i done having a Mortal Louisville, by the way. Yes, Amazing very from, much so. And f- um, well done, Derek, for sticking with Lee on the back of their relegation two seasons ago. It was it bold decision? Bold but decision to stick with him, and um, yeah,
0: and then add back to back promotions as a result. It's, it's an yeah. incredible achievement, and, yeah. and yeah, yeah, quite rightly, fair play to them. Um, moving away a little bit from that side of things, any news on the club shop at the moment? Um, we're shortly going to be getting
1: the visuals out of the new club shop. I think it's going to be very, very exciting. We're just waiting for some final approvals and sign offs um, when they go into production we're going to do a big press release centred around the club shop um Brilliant. works ongoing there um and again it's very 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 exciting and can't wait to see the actual finished yeah, product yeah out. i can from a retail background myself it's something that you know really excites me and everything that i've seen all the the artist impressions, going to be absolutely fantastic and a lot of work's gone into it as a well a huge amount of work's gone
0: in yeah yeah, yeah. Fair. right and um can we expect to see uh, the kit releases anytime soon? Obviously, now that we've got the you're sponsors very, sorted. You're very, and you're very lucky that we've got a commercial <laughs> director sat in the room to I've me this in a way well, working. You've been very lucky. Go on,
1: Anna. <laughs> yeah, we'll be doing a, um, a kit re- reveal um, within the next, hopefully, couple of weeks. So we're oh, just okay. working with Nike to, uh, to work out when we're going to do it and obviously get the players to, to model the kit. So we've only course, just confirmed yeah. the... Uh, you see the logo on the front of the shirt yeah. and what
0: that's going to look like because it has had to be um, adapted slightly. Yeah. So that's now been signed off. Brilliant. Sounds good. Sounds really good. Um, you must be really pleased with the feedback that we've had on the new Club Crest. I mean, given the outrage there was when they first came <laughs> out, stupidly, <laughs> even though we all knew they were drafts, you must be really pleased with the I'm with really the pleased, but
1: again, your... that, I'm pleased and satisfied because of the process we've went through to to get there, as you said, that all we ever did, we were very clear in, in the surveys and everything that we did in regards of putting specific crests out there, it wasn't that was ever gonna be the final crest. Yeah. It was just testing the waters of individual aspects of the crest and what was fans liked and what fans didn't like. So and and something that we could subtly change the the crest, but gave us the ability to to trademark it. That that was the key, really. Yeah. Um, and what came out loud and clear was that people liked the year of our establishment mm-hmm. on the crest. There was no real strong objections to that. Feedback we got as well, people actually quite liked on the whole the nautical aspect of the star. Mm-hmm. That gave us something distinctive rather than a normal star. Um, and then it came across that it was still a little bit mixed, but quite a few people liked the circle around the yeah. outside. So we tried to build them key aspects where we knew that we was on pretty solid ground, and and integrate that into one final crest. And I think we've done an amazing job with that. I think the new crest looks a lot sharper, mm. still very very traditional. Um, but you know, the one with the circle around the outside also I think is a great merchandising tool, and and one of the the feedback that we are getting is people would like to see that maybe on the kits in the future. Why can't we have that now? So again, we can look at that. Let's see how people get used to it. And then maybe if we did do that in the future, it's not such a big shock because people have got used to it. Um, but no, I think the crest looks amazing. And I say it looks amazing because I feel we went through a, a
0: really thorough a thorough, and rigorous process to arrive where we did and we involved the fans which is yeah great. exactly and and you know from from my point of view just a season ticket holder in the North Stand it, it was a process that made sense and when you actually read the process properly and saw okay these are just the first drafts it wasn't such a big deal but you'll always get people that just see the headlines see a new crest and they go I absolutely hate every single one <laughs> but you know what to a degree that's not bad mm. because
1: when Michael first showed me the crest with the football in, mm. I like the idea I'll be honest and I'm mm. the biggest traditionalist out there I like a football in the crest, mm. and I went, "Oh yeah, I think fans are going to really like that." Well, lo and behold, fans didn't like that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so I was wrong on that one. <laughs> but but, what, but the point it. is, we listened. Yeah. So if it had been a little bit mixed with the ball, then maybe that we would have had a ball in our crest. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm. If, if, but it wasn't. It was loud and clear. Fans took the time to. So I'm not going to hammer fans that no, come no, out no, and, and basically were very. Um, strongly opposed to the ball because it had an effect. Mm. There was enough people that said, we don't like the ball, Mark. You know, we would we were in addition to all the written surveys, we were doing all the supporter groups and, yeah. and getting the crests out and saying, what do you like about this and that? So we took that on board and finally I went back to Michael, a few of us, Anna and Colin and said, Look, fans ain't
0: having the ball. I like it, fans are not having it. So mm. we, we didn't have a ball. Yeah, exactly. How much did our fan ownership and involvement previously have a play a part in Michael's decision to include them so so heavily in the decision of, of well, if the if you press. look, I can't, I, I can't remember another club
1: that a year on into new ownership has still got the same manager, mm. the same chief exec, the same commercial director, the same chief operator. Mm. He hasn't changed anything. He was very clear from the start. He the attraction of the club is what it is. Yeah. The attraction of the club is Fratton Park. It's the atmosphere, it's the people here, it's the culture that we've got into the club, it's the city. So why would you if it'll say if it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. And I think a lot of new owners come in ego-wise and want to stamp their authority. So traditionally sack the CEO, sack the manager. This is my club now, I'm gonna show you how it's done. Michael hasn't done that And, and to be fair he, he promised he wouldn't do that mm.
0: During the takeover So he's stayed true to his word Yeah you've got to be pleased with it Because you're quite right You've only got to look at teams like Cardiff Where he goes in and changes the club colours Or yeah, yeah, the Leeds crest that. I mean, yeah. you guys, yeah. Can you imagine the feedback you would have had If it was a crest like that
1: Yeah I think <laughs> a
0: lot of owners
1: With the great respect Are ego driven yeah. They've done everything in their business life You know Millionaires, billionaires They want to come into football And change the world mm. um, and, and Michael's just not Ego driven, he's very sensitive about anything he says in the press that that he feels is undermining my authority, and he, do, he he doesn't like that. So I think that's like I think that's an amazing person that we mm. have got only in our football club. It company. must be yeah. a great
0: person for you to work with.
1: It's amazing. He listens. You know, he he takes everything on board. Um, I dare say, listen. At some point, he's going to go. I don't agree with you, Mark. Mm. And. Obviously it's Michael Eisner He's, you know, yeah. he's allowed, to he's, that, allowed yeah. to he's allowed to do that Yeah, Not just because he's the owner of the football club But because of the respect that myself and the staff have mm. for him And his background If Michael says something's not right It's not right
0: mm. Quite right too Well moving on slightly to Obviously we're approaching the transfer window And I'm not for one one second expecting <laughs> you to disclose budgets And things Good. like that But will we be looking at a one in one out policy Like we had last year do you think?
1: Um, no I think we're going to be a little bit more flexible this year in regards of how we conduct our business. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, we was last year. that um, In regards to budgets, a, a budget's a budget, but if needed, they get broken. Yeah. Something happens, you know, and we go to our board of directors and say, look, we've got to get this player on, we need this player then. That will always be looked upon sympathetically. Mm. Um, so you just try and work within a budgetary constraint as such, as, as in any business, and even with Pompey within the individual departments. But no, I think we're a lot more pragmatic going into to this year. Um, again, we've, we've privately set a budget. It's a very competitive budget. We've got a solid base of players for next, year's, uh, next year. And, and if Kenny comes to us with a player, with, with, even if it's outside the budget and he feels it's a player that's going to strengthen us, I'm sure the board will listen to it. So Gareth Bale's on his way. What <laughs> <laughs> but you've always... There are clubs and I won't name there was two specific clubs three actually last season where average wages are up at X amount of thousands mm. per week and every player they try to sign knows this is a club yeah. that pays X amount of thousand per week for their players we're slightly below that bracket so you've got to be careful you don't start signing too many players in that yeah. higher bracket or all of a sudden you become one of them clubs and then you, you, you're your player budget spirals out of control and that's not what we want. So we, we know in the region of how many players we need, at what level financially we can go to and uh, that's where we are gonna be stripped as always and you know, and I think it's the right way to run a football club, especially at a time when there's so much investment going on elsewhere around the stadium.
0: we've seen in the past you know, with the financial difficulties we've had, the last thing we want yeah. is to is to go and spiral again exactly. and, and yeah. have- current players knocking your door saying, well, hang on a minute, why so-and-so on, triple the wages I'm on. So no, it's, it, you're quite right, it's the, it's the best way of doing it. Yeah, things. and the, the business is the business as a
1: whole, it's not just about the football budget. Mm. So when next year's financial figures come out, I think people will be surprised with the level of investment that Michael has put into the club um, in, in the first year, generally, the club mm. as a whole. Um, and But the beauty is we, we remain debt-free. So that's an, uh, an amazing achievement, Brilliant. you
0: know, Michael's funding that, you know, for, for nothing more than his love of the football club. Mm. And, you know, Michael and yourself, you both came out when he was perched the club and said it's going to be behind the scenes for the first few years because that's what it's got to be. Yeah, yeah as um,
1: Michael, again, and the board of directors wanted to come in, you know, and can't forget, I mean, Eric spends a lot of time yeah. here, you know, Andy Redman spends a lot of time here and it was it's open door policy they come in speak to staff speak to players speak to Kenny you know it's a great working relationship with everyone at the club and it was a year of let's have a look at the strengths and weaknesses of the club um, if we've got any weaknesses let's try and improve it which is
0: what we're trying to do Exactly and you're pleased with the way the year's gone?
1: Yeah over the moon as I say a little bit of disappointment that we're not preparing for a playoff game this week but Apart from that, yeah.
0: <laughs> we could, we'll build stronger <laughs> for next year.
1: Listen, it was just that the the bar raised, didn't it, during yeah. the season? I think most fans are. I'm pretty sure I saw some polls pre-season that 70 or 80 percent would have took a top half finish. Well, we exceeded that in regards of we was in and around the playoffs. You know, for for a huge part, we was always looking up, not down. I know that we did have a little wobble in January, where for the first time, actually, I did think, oh, we're not. It was about a twelve-point gap, yeah, yeah. and I'm thinking, could we, you know, if this run continues, could we get dragged into it? But apart from one week of that, you know, we've been looking up all
0: season, which is fantastic. It's been great, and there's a friend of mine, Ryan, who says at the end of the season, we just wanted something boring, and we got <laughs> we got to flirt with the playoffs, <laughs> and it's it's almost annoying. We just wanted the first boring season we've had. I think it's I mean,
1: it, it hinged on the Charlton result. Yeah. If you look at it, if we'd have beat Charlton.
0: I think we would have made the last yeah. unfortunately we didn't so that's it we've got to this move is the way it goes at the end of the day yeah. and this is the way it goes but like, we'll finish off just with a couple of fan questions if that's alright with you yeah. um, are the club planning on releasing a DVD on the, of the title winning season? Um, do, do you know what we've looked at it's quite expensive to produce mm. a DVD
1: that fans will buy mm. um, if there was a huge demand for it we'd, we'd, we'd well, probably we would look at it because we've got all the footage but if you go online on YouTube now and, and various other, you know, social media platforms, there's so many reviews of the seasons out there, the goals of the season, yeah. and the highlights of the season. And that you know, is there going to be that demand for a DVD? And as yeah, I say, it's, easy, it's very easy to us to just add a few unseen bits of footage, burn a DVD, put it out there. But it'll look rubbish. It's not something yeah. we'd want to associate ourselves with. So, to do a really slick production of a DVD would cost. Many thousands of pounds. And would the demand be there for that? I'm not so sure it would.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, The tyres with the ladies are great compared to other clubs. Are there plans to strengthen these further? Could they play at Fratton Park more often, for example? Obviously, they're here on Sunday.
1: Possibly. um, The pitch, you know, we have got a... I mean, to to go up to the next level in regards of the construction of the pitch, you're looking at a, a Deso pitch, which would cost... I think it's £1.2 million plus the. So until we know what we're doing with the stadium, there won't be that investment. So we have to be very protective of the pitch. Of course. But in regards to working with the ladies more, yeah, I think they're in a little bit of a transitional phase at the moment and we're actually currently discussing the future of Pompey ladies with them.
0: Fair enough. I can't know all And I think. Oh, the last one. Are the club considering or talking about introducing safe standing? Within um, if, if the rules change, 100%. But, again, there's a debate, I think, in
1: June yeah. in Parliament if they say, look, we're quite happy for some clubs to trial it or whatever, we'll be putting our end up and saying, please, 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 let it be us.
0: Brilliant. Well, that, that's all the questions I have, Mark. I really that appreciate taking time, time out of your busy schedule. All right, thank cheers, you very yeah, much. Thank so. you. Huge thank you to Mark for taking time out of his busy schedule to chat to us today. Uh, I know just how busy a man he is, so for him to take the time to talk to our little fan podcast means, means a hell of a lot. So thank you to Mark. That'll do us for this week Pompey fans, Uh, next week we should be having our end of season review following what in my opinion was a fantastic season really for the first one back in League 1 to finish 8th I think is is an incredible achievement but we'll have more people on to give their opinions about it as well. As I say please do go and follow us on YouTube uh, and subscribe to the channel, we will have more regular content on there, all of our stuff is going to be made available. All the interviews that we've done over the last season And what a season it's been as well by the way The likes of Sol Campbell, Eric Eisner Ben Close, Paul Robinson Uh, The list just goes on and on and on Brian Howard of course as well Right early on So all those interviews will be going on the YouTube channel uh, In some form And we're going to start Moving slightly away from Soundcloud as well, there's a lot of podcasts at the moment to do with Portsmouth Football Club, so we want to try and do something a little bit different for you. So please make sure you go and follow, uh, subscribe to us on there. Just search for Pompey Podcast and you will be able to find us. Um, Also, don't forget you can follow us on Facebook at Pompey Podcast or at Frat and Faithful or or on Twitter at Pompey underscore podcast where you can keep up to date with all the goings on uh, and all the interviews that we'll have coming up. Thanks again for listening, Pompey fans, and we will catch you again soon.